There's a version of spirituality crafted by capitalism, decorated in shiny crystals and perpetuated by Instagram influencers. And then there's a version of spirituality that our ancestors practiced that fostered deep rememberings and activations of the heart, earth, and stars. House of Enlightenedhood is a New Earth cooperative holding a frequency that rewilds spirituality and brings it back to what it was meant to be about all along. Our innate connection with the divine. Oh, and love. Lots of love. I'm Lena Lemos, your host and founder of House of Enlightenedhood. Thank you for joining me on this podcast as we explore the expansiveness and the messiness of reclaiming the human spiritual experience. I am so grateful that you're here. Hello, you beautiful souls, and happy Friday. Happy beaver full moon eclipse. Such an elegant name for a full moon. (laughs) I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet because I am leaving tomorrow for a road trip with my mom to North Carolina to see my sister, and I am not packed anything. (laughs) I've been solo parenting for the past four days and... I finally had some time to myself today and I deep cleaned the entire house. So one can only hope it is slightly clean when I return next week. And I'm super excited to go south and see the transition of the leaves because we've lost most of ours here and to have just a little bit of sunshine left before we go into winter. On today's episode, I am talking all things suffering with Billy Lee Myers Jr. Billy holds a master's degree in counseling psychology with an emphasis in spiritual psychology from the University of Santa Monica. He has been in private practice in Austin, Texas since 2006. Before becoming a therapist, Billy worked for 20 years in television and the music business. Billy's heartfelt desire is to assist his clients in connecting to their authentic self and rediscover a deep sense of well-being. Today, Billy and I are unpacking why we suffer, how we can move through our suffering through shifting our perspective, and how we can navigate the season when we are finally willing to face our emotions and stop escaping. We're also discussing how you can hold space for other people who are suffering with providing them dignity for their own journey and also not trying to control their healing path, which as you know, gets really hard the further you go when you just want to help everyone and share your experiences and it's really hard not to meddle in other people's path. Lastly, on this episode, Billy is sharing a list of the blessings of suffering and how they are truly a launching pad for our growth and the evolution of our consciousness. So we are going to dive into all things suffering right after this. House of Enlightenedhood is a heart-centered cooperative uniting in the frequency of love. We're building the new earth through community and supportive containers for spiritual exploration, healing, and expansion. House of Enlightenedhood's sacred online gathering space is one part mystery school and one part social community, open to anyone on the inner journey and co-created by a team of light leaders. We believe in a spirituality that returns to our roots. So whether you're just awakening or ready to pioneer a new paradigm of spirituality, 
We've been waiting for you. Learn more at houseofenlightenedhood.com. So nice to see you. Thank you so much for coming on my show. Thank you for inviting me. It's it's a it's a privilege. I appreciate it. I'm so excited and maybe excited isn't the right word because we're talking about suffering today. And, but, I'm so ex- I'm so thrilled to talk about suffering. This is so great. Ooh, suffering. <laughs> but I think it's such an important topic when we're on this spiritual path and we're on our own self-healing journey. And I think there is, you know, a, a suffering connotation, a negative connotation that comes with suffering. But I also think once we gather a certain level of self-awareness, there's a different lens that comes with our own suffering and how much control we have over it. So I guess maybe where we could start is to talk about you know, suffering in general, why we tend to be in this loop of suffering and why it's kind of this, if we're stuck in this broken record that it's sometimes hard to get out of. So why, why do we suffer and why do we lean in so much to our suffering? Why do we get to a point where it feels almost better to suffer than it does to heal and to feel better? Yeah, yeah. Boy, that is a that is the question, isn't it? That's a really good question. Um, you have a job, right? <laughs> well, true. You know, I'm a psychotherapist, and so I deal everyone that I talk to all day long is suffering in ways large and small. And so I actually get that question quite a bit, you know. Um, but I would say, you know, why do we suffer uh, is that suffering is intrinsic to living. It's it's just a part of our life. Look at the major religions, you know, the the four noble truths of Buddhism. The first truth is life is suffering. The Buddha says all I teach is suffering and the relief of suffering, right? Yep. Um, in the Christian religion, uh, in the book of Job 5-7, man is born to suffer as the sparks fly upward. Um, and so um, in all in all the religions, uh, suffering is addressed. And so we something happens and we feel bad. We go, oh, no, I'm suffering. Something's wrong. And no, nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. It's like it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to suffer. And it's not necessarily bad or good. It's unpleasant for sure. But a lot of good things, uh, a lot of good things come from our suffering. Um, uh, it, I mean, it's. It's not good or bad, is it? It's kind of it's, it has both uh, wrapped up in it. But there's a lot of blessings within within the suffering for sure. I think. Would you agree that once we get to a certain level of self awareness on our path, it's easier to you know expand that perspective of our suffering so that we can start to really unpack why it is we're suffering, as well as create those steps to kind of step out of the suffering. Right, right. Yes. And so, and I mean, that's the whole premise of modern psychology, isn't it? Is to, to be, to lead us out of our suffering. Um, and so there's, there's sort of different flavors of suffering. Some, some is, um, you know, acute suffering. It had, there's a thing happened. I feel bad. The bad, the bad thing goes away and I feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's chronic suffering that it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it, and it, it seems like it never ends. So, uh, if I cut my finger, I wrap it up and 
pretty soon it, it feels better and, and everything's good. Uh, and if you can do that, by all means, please do. Uh, there's no reason to suffer needlessly, of course. Uh, but for those times that you can't put a Band-Aid on it or the Band-Aid that we, we try to put on them, people suffer and they, they drink alcohol or take drugs or do all kinds of crazy sex or, you know, uh, gambling addictions, all the addictions, basically. Um, it's a, you know, it's an attempt to not feel our suffering, basically. Uh, uh, Netflix or video games or whatever it is, we try to use these things to not suffer, distract us from our suffering. Um, and we, uh, the actual distraction causes us more trouble than the, the original suffering sometimes. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's almost perpetuating our own suffering through trying to avoid suffering, which is kind of in interesting if you think about it. And what I kind of hear you saying is that avoiding emotion and avoiding, you know, feeling and numbing or escaping through these things is really what continues to pep perpetuate the chronic suffering that we go through. That, that's exactly right. I, and we're kind of kicking the can down the road. It doesn't go anywhere, obviously. It, it shows back up. Um, but um, I guess when we uh, when we turn toward our suffering and, and not turn away from it, now to do that, we have to have capacity. You know, we have to have a capacity uh, to hold. And so uh, we have loving kindness for ourselves, compassion for ourselves. And we can hold if it if there's not anything we can do in the outside world to change it, then all we have is the way that we view the suffering. That's the only, our perception we can change. Would you yeah. say that that's the first step to, you know, to breaking the cycle of our suffering is the perception of it? Uh, I, yes, I think so. I mean, I, I think that that's, that is the first step. Now, whether you can do it or not is a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other story. I've, I've been working on this stuff for decades and I'm barely, you know, uh, have a, have a handle on it, you know, but, um, but it's possible, you know, if we look at Viktor Frankl, you know, man's search for meaning, uh, he came up with a, uh, logo therapy in the, from his experience in the concentration camps. Well, you know, you can't just play video games in the concentration camp or, uh, right. you know, there wasn't a lot of alcohol or, you know, I don't know what else you would use, but uh, there was no turning away from the suffering, right? And so you you had the only thing you could do is change it. Um, a classic example: uh, people, an optimist looks at a glass and says it's half full. A pessimist looks at the glass half empty. So which one is right? Well, they're both right and they're both wrong. The, the truth is, it's half empty and half full at the same time, right? Um, and so that perception though if, if you're stuck in your pessimism then you'll see the half empty part and and the the half full part will be uh hidden from you is it true from a brain chemistry point of view that our brain is really good at filtering based on our beliefs so that if we have a pessimistic lens, we see the world and everything is pessimistic, everything is bad, everything is negative, and our brain kind of filters out all the good, happy rainbow stuff? 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it, that's a confirmation bias is what they call that. And so, yeah, you, you, if you're attuned to that, then you look around in the world and you see the pessimistic, pessimistic things and you just latch on to them. Right. Um, and so, um, the, the cool thing about that though, it works in reverse. And so if you, you can change the outside world by your, the way that your perception is, in other words, you know, if you, if you see, um, uh, if, if you have a, a, a positive worldview, then you're going to be, you'll collect the things in the, you're curating your experiences. You'll find the, the positive ones and the negative ones will kind of just flow on by. It's sort of like uh, standing in a knee deep in a river. Um, and, you know, uh, Lotus blossom will come by and you can pick that up. And then some other, uh, you know, less palatable object might come floating by and you could just let that one go. Um, we kind of want to do that with our emotions and, and experiences. I like that analogy, you know, because life is still flowing and everything that's flowing with you might not be the best thing to pick up and take with you along your journey, but we're still, you know, acknowledging that it's passing by us, but we're going to let it continue passing, you know, some very similar to the cloud analogy. Our emotions are clouds and they're passing by in the sky. Yeah. There's a blue sky behind there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, um, uh, I think it's kind of beautiful that that you know we get to create our own perception of reality. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so so that gives us a lot of power, right? If mm. if I have fear and anger in my heart when I come to talk to you, well, it's gonna it's it's gonna uh, change everything I say. You know, it's gonna change the the way it's delivered, the way it's received. Uh, conversely, if I'm I have loving kindness and compassion in my heart, then that I'll come from from that place. The beautiful thing is, I mean, as difficult as it may be, of course, I know it's not easy, but, um, you know, if I am able to move from fear and anger, uh, toward loving kindness, acceptance, forgiveness inside of me, forget the outside world, just inside of my own heart, uh, then I can, I can, uh, connect in these loving ways to everybody in my life. Um, and all animals and situations and every the whole, all of reality. I love that. That really reminds me. There was this metaphor I heard once, or I guess it's an analogy. I haven't had enough coffee to say. It could be a simile. Who knows? <laughs> so the best comparison I ever heard with with what we're talking about is when you squeeze an orange juice. Or oh my god, I've ruined it already. When you squeeze an orange. <laughs> <laughs> what comes out is orange juice. So when you squeeze a person or you put pressure or you're facing adversity or complex situations, whatever comes out is on what's on the inside. Yeah. So yeah. practicing loving kindness for yourself, for others, when you're in stressful situations, if you're suffering, if you're in these moments where you feel like, you know, you're in a shit storm or the world's raining down on you it's much easier to express compassion and kindness and love, even if the external world feels like suffering. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. And, and we can, we can use everything for our upliftment, like the, the positive, the fun experiences, the unpleasant experiences, all of it. Um, so, so basically, um, you get, you go to Disneyland and you have a fun day. Uh, and that's, that's one thing. And then something terrible will happen and you'll have a terrible day. And, and both, both of those experiences are good and necessary. Um, because the, it, I mean, we do learn a lot from suffering, but if you just suffered all the time, you would just be right. 
you know, shell shocked. You know, you need the good experiences to settle your nervous system down and to, you know, cultivate uh, positivity and the hope, give you hope and expectations that things will go well. And so that's that's necessary, too. And we need um, uh, we need the suffering part to be able to learn and grow and rise in consciousness. So for someone who might be at a point where they're suffering in their lives and, you know, this idea of just changing your thoughts seems a little overwhelming. It seems like a lot. What what can they do to start to move forward towards having good experiences or cultivating more love and kindness into their lives? Because I think when we're when we're in this cycle of suffering, it can feel really hard to climb out of. And something as simple as changing your thoughts seems like a lot because there's such a heavy load to carry. Right, right. And I mean, it does kind of in some ways it goes, oh, I'll just change my thoughts. That, that'll be easy. You know, no problem there. And then you try to do it. And then, of course, you know, it's not so easy. Oh, right. Shit. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I would say, look, you know, you're on your life path one way or the other. And um, you you will. You, you will grow and go on your life uh, journey, your your spiritual path. That's going to happen whether you like it or not, basically. Uh, you know, and uh, so if you kind of co-create with spirit, you know, if you're if you I think there's less stress and friction in this journey if you're able to go, oh, man, this is really unpleasant. I don't like this. Um, I know for sure because of my uh, my studies and my meditations that I know I'm able to learn now. I wonder what I can. I wonder what's available for me to learn. Um, and and instead of, I mean, the first thing we do is look look for a way not to feel bad anymore. Yeah. And then when you can't do that, which happens often, then um, you know, then you've got these other tools that you can use. For for me personally, on my spiritual journey, I think I was at a point of, you know, suffering and being really lost. But then I really just wanted, you know, to skip all the hard stuff and jump ahead to the, I'm really yeah. spiritual now and I have all my <laughs> gifts and, you know, everything just magically disappeared. And, and that was all yeah. because I did the spiritual path. But I think there's this point where we really have to look at it and we really have to face it and we have to look in the mirror and be honest and loving and, you know, compassionate towards ourselves. But that's a really hard thing to do. And that's a really courageous thing to do. So what advice would you give to someone who is really looking in the mirror for the first time and realizing, oh my gosh, I have been numbing this suffering. I have been escaping. I have been trying to avoid feeling this altogether. And then we look and and there's kind of a tidal wave that happens when we really, really look. So what advice would you give for someone who's navigating this point where they're ready to look, but it's scary? It is scary. I will tell you, uh, well, I can say from my experiences, it was very, very helpful to have a guide. Um, Mm. uh, I I went to the University of Santa Monica and I got a, a master's in spiritual psychology. And so they looked a lot at the spiritual path and how it, how it fits in with, um, uh, you know, therapeutic interventions. Um, and so it, it's helpful to have a teacher 
you know, uh, someone who's been down that path before that can kind of give you some advice and tools to, to work with. Um, I mean, I would say getting a teacher and educating yourself would be the first things that I would try. One thing that you, you keep saying that I also think is important, but that I think having a mentor is really important and helpful for is someone to hold space for you and also remind you that these experiences aren't good or bad. Cause I think it's really easy to, to label them as such. And when we can, you know, see them in a more neutral a neutral lens, I think that's really helpful as well. I mean, it does kind of take the pressure off you just a little yeah, bit. You just know? a little. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it still, look, it's going to suck. There's just no two ways about it. There's the, you know, but if it's going to suck, you might as well make it worthwhile. You know, you yeah. might as well get the good stuff out of it. And, and it's, as, if you feel bad, your, your, your peace is disturbed, then you're ready to learn. I will tell you that at, like, I don't know what the heck is going on is the sentence that is always said right before you learn something. Right. Yeah. So like, I don't know what's happening is good because that means that you're about to learn something. Yeah. I really like that. I think that's so true too, because I think it's these dark moments when we're truly learning and we're truly unpacking and we're growing and we're being stretched and challenged and, you know, pushed outside of our comfort zone that we've, cultivated and we've put up these walls in this really like gooey bubble full of distractions that once you step out of it and you're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? <laughs> you're right. It's true. It's like that, that stepping into that void of the unknown where all the good sacred learning happens. Yeah. It's outside your comfort zone for sure. Right. Yeah. It's the duality of life of having those really joyous experiences where we can go with the flow and, you know, we're not necessarily learning, but we're experiencing. And then I think it's the times when we kind of come to a halt when we're in these moments of suffering and have the opportunity for growth is when the most important moments of our lives, our lives, I would say. Yeah. And I would just, I'd give yourself a break too. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, just kindness and compassion and that stuff for yourself is because if you're going through a, a tough time, then, you, you know, uh, we don't want to beat up on you any further, you know, uh, that it's, it's, it's going to be tough and it, and it's, it's supposed to be, it, it, you know, our suffering gets our attention in a way we cannot ignore. Yeah, uh, it's like a baby on an airplane, right? If somebody brings a baby onto an airplane, you're going, "Oh God, don't let them sit by me, please, please, no, no." And then, of course, they always do, and then the baby's crying like crazy, and it's just like, "Dude, I'll give you a bottle, I'll change your diaper, anything. Stop crying, please. You're driving me crazy." Well, the baby's cry is is designed to get our attention. It's like you've got to take care of the baby, yeah. you know. It's like I will do anything to get this baby to give me a break for 10 minutes, you know, it demands our attention. We can't ignore it and kick the can down the road anymore. Uh, like we have been. Mm -hmm. I also feel like they're just such beautiful launching pads in our lives that if we didn't go through these experiences, we wouldn't learn deeply about ourselves and we wouldn't get to unlearn things that we've learned about ourselves. Because I think it's so easy if we're falling into long-term patterns of suffering to label ourselves as a victim or, yes. you know, I'm Lena who has this ailment and that's my identity and that's my story. And I'm going to ride that because it keeps me safe. And I don't have to look at the baby crying and I can, you know, hide in the bathroom on the airplane and not have to deal with any of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. By all means, please hide in the bathroom. And it, if that works, then great. But usually it's like a four hour flight. It's kind of tough to stay in the bathroom the whole time. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I, you know, I wrote down a list of, um, of off the top of my head of blessings that are associated with suffering. You want to hear some? Yes, that would be amazing. You know, I, I think about these things, unless I write them down, I can't remember what I'm, what I know. So, uh, suffering gives us clarity. Yeah. It sharpens our thoughts and intentions. Boy, I, you, uh, you smash your thumb. All of a sudden you, you got very uh, good clarity. Um, uh, suffering is the main ingredient of change. We probably are not going to change unless we suffer. We get our butts kicked in some ways. Yep. Suffering is an ego check, right? It kind of sets us down and reminds us that we're not the boss of the whole world. I'm, extremely disappointed to find out I'm not the boss of the whole world, which I'm still getting over that one. That, that was, <laughs> I was two years old. Um, it helps us connect and empathize with other people. When we, just like me, they suffer. Uh, our suffering connects us in a way. Um, if without that, I, it's sort of like a mental pity or a mental like, oh, that must be terrible for you. But if I've been through the same thing, it's like, oh my God, yeah, I've been there. I know what you feel. So it's more of a heart-based thing. Uh, suffering gives us insight. Um, it gets us uh, physical pain, physical suffering, gets us out of our head and into our bodies, right? Boy, in a, another way you can't ignore. Um, it connects us to the present moment. So we're not worried about tomorrow or the yesterday is like, oh man, I'm suffering right now. I'm definitely thinking of the present moment. Uh, wisdom is always preceded by suffering, as I just said. Uh, suffering is our greatest teacher uh, and it teaches us. It's, um, it's an ultimate wake up call to call that calls for change. Um, if our suffering is extreme enough, these big life-changing moments of suffering, it shatters our ego-based self. And when our ego is, is that false self of ego is destroyed, our true self is our spiritual self is able to come forward. And, and finally, that suffering is a part of life that we talked about earlier. Then that means that if I'm suffering, I'm alive. And if I'm alive, there's hope. Um, and so suffering can definitely be the foundation for hope. I love all of those because it's a, it puts such a beautiful lens in these moments of our lives where we feel, you know, kicked down by the universe or why is this happening to me? And, you yes. know, why, why, why? And, you know, why me? And I think they're putting that lens on it. And I love how you said there's hope, you know, you're alive and there's hope. About suffering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're back to the yay, suffering. <laughs> hey, 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 Billy, what, what did you do this weekend? Well, I sat around and thought about suffering all weekend long. Uh, how about you? What did you do? <laughs> yeah, but I, I think there we have almost entered to, into a phase now where I think as a collective, we are more self-aware and we're more willing to look at our suffering and the suffering, you know, of the groups in our society. And I think we're ready to face it. So I think I don't want to say this prematurely, but I almost think that, you know, the shadow work and the exploring of our suffering is becoming kind of cool. Like it's, it's yeah. in right now. Oh, is it? I think so. I don't know. I'm just, wow. I'm declaring it right now, but okay. I think, <laughs> but I think with all the things that you just said it really suffering allows us to cultivate a new version of ourselves that is more loving is more kind is more present is more aligned with our true selves is more empathetic is more understanding is stronger wiser 
you know, all the, all the good things that as we grow and as we heal, we look for. And it's those moments and these really, these moments of friction and, and grief in our lives that help shape that person. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's impossible to, I, I don't know if we can really have empathy without it, you know, or compassion for other yeah. people without it. We kind of can, but it's more of a mental exercise rather than a heartfelt experience. That's really true. That's a really good point. You're right. Because it's like, we can understand that someone else is sad and offer our support, but until you've felt it and you understand, you know, the pain in your heart and what it feels like in a really all encompassing experience, you don't know. And, you know, we're, we're always looking for love and connection in the world. And Mm -hmm. that's where our connection comes from, you know, where I'm able to connect with people that suffer because I, man, I've been in the same boat. Um, and you know, being frustrated on your spiritual path. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I've done that too. And so, um, I can, you know, it's not like, uh, Oh, I feel bad for those poor people that are suffering. It's sort of the difference between pity and empathy, right? Pity is like, we, there's a one up position. I'm kind of looking down at these poor people here, but empathy, no, it's like, uh, no, we're on the same level. I've absolutely been where you've been. Um, and, and, you know, my, able to understand and hold a space for someone at that level is, is life changing. Um, to have somebody listen to you and just know, uh, what you're going through. It's just like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's about as deep of human connections as we can get. I agree. So maybe let's talk about that a little bit for, you know, I think, that's something that many of us experience as we get to a certain place on this path and we, we've gone through it is we want to turn around and help others. And it's also hard not to direct others in their own healing, in their own suffering. So how can we be a supportive pillar and a supportive space for those who are suffering and allow them, you know, to work through it and to heal through it themselves with being compassionate and also mindful that this is their journey and that we really don't have any control over it, even though we want to, we want to fix, we want to help, we want to pull them out of it, but, we, but right. it's their path. And that has been one of the hardest things for me to accept on this, on this path, because we want to, we want everyone to experience the, the empowerment and the, the growth that comes with healing your own suffering or heal, healing the seasons of suffering, I should say, because I don't think it's ever, you know, one and done. We go through seasons in our lives. Yes. Yes. I had a teacher, Mary Holnick, and who I just love so dearly. And she, she told me that uh, we allow the other person, the dignity of their own process. And mm, the first yeah. time she said that I went, Oh, that's a great idea. And I, I wrote it down in my little notebook and I said, yeah, I'm just, I'll do that. That's a good idea. <laughs> and little did I know how difficult that would be. You know, yeah. uh, it's easy to say, but tough to do. And, and basically it's an intention of boundaries, right? It's mm. like, I can't fix anybody like they're, they're on their own journey right now. I can share my journey with you, my experience. I can listen to you. I can send loving kindness to you, uh, but I can't fix you. I can't, you know, I can't make you do anything that you don't want to do. Like I I think everyone should have a meditation practice that I, I have uh, varying degrees of success and talking people into that, you know? And so um, I, I don't have any control over what people do, but I can be involved with them and um, and loving toward them and not be attached to the outcome. If you want to change somebody else, change yourself, mm-hmm. right? 
that's that's the where that's where it is because uh, uh, you know they can say, man, that looks pretty good. How did you do that? Right. That's the thing. Instead of like, you know what you kids ought to do is put those video games down and, uh, you know, whatever. Go outside. Like, yeah. Go outside. Quit, quit looking at your phone all the time. Look, that's not going to work ever, you know. Um, but if you can model the behavior, uh, it's like, man, I don't know what. And that's the way it was for me. I met someone that uh, that was way further along on the path than I was. And I went, what is going on here? That. I don't understand a word she's saying. I like, I know she's saying English words, but I don't know what they mean. You know, and she seems they, uh, people on that path, they react differently to situations than, than most people. And just like, what, what is that? What's going on here? You know? And, and so that curiosity and that example is the thing that teaches people. Um, and it kind of draws them forward rather than lecturing folks. I think it's, I'm not going to quote this perfectly, but how Ram Dass says that the best thing I can do for you is work on myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, that it's exactly what you said, that all we can do is work on ourselves and that and radiate our own life and kindness and experiences, you know, and hold space for others. But really, it only comes down to what we can control, which is ourselves, and that we are truly capable of healing ourselves. And that is the ripple effect for everything else. Yeah, I, I mean, the other thing I would say about this is that as we value ourselves, our our true selves, our intrinsic self, like uh, the value of me is in not doing the fixing, the doing things, the, mm-hmm. you know, writing books and things like yeah. that. Those are good. Those are good things. But um, the value of me is the the human being instead of the human doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so my presence, my loving presence uh, is can be life changing. I mentioned Mary Holnick. I remember um, I was talking to her and her husband and her husband was telling me all these really wise things, you know, I mean, great things. And I was writing them down and she was looking at me and I, I don't even know how to say it. It was past loving. She was looking into me, you know, mm-hmm. and that look, just the, the space that she held, it changed my life forever. You know, and she didn't say anything. She didn't give me any wise advice. Uh, you know, there's there's a time and a place for wise advice, too. But but, you know, just if I am truly, deeply loving and compassionate to myself, I expand that energy out to you. And we're both connected in that way changes people's lives. And, and we don't value that. We value doing things or fixing things or yeah. that kind of stuff. It's so true. And I think it's something so simple that we almost overlook at times because we, you know, our human instinct, we want to be seen. We want to be held. We want to be listened to. We want to be supported. But in doing that, in doing this work, we're peeling back layers and beliefs that we had to be a certain way. We had to look a certain way. We had to do this. We had to do that to be happy and to peel back the layers and be vulnerably authentic, just you and to be seen and loved and held and supported in that way, I think is very life-changing when you can just be and be loved and be enough in just not feeling like you have to exert any kind of, you know, facade or put up your peacock feathers in order to survive in our society, which I think is something that people are stepping into, but there's still a lot of change that has to happen. It's, it's the social media world that we exist in that we feel like we have to 
fit a certain narrative. And I think our self-healing journey unravels that a lot. And to feel just fully in your own self, I think is very empowering. And so when I I love that you said that that was so life-changing that And I think that's a really good example for how we can continue to support others in their journey is just allowing them. And I love the word circling back to what you said, the dignity of being themselves and honoring themselves and just being fully the human being. I love that. I always love that play in words. I I do. I, I love the intrinsic value, like, you know, that you deserve to be loved and you deserve to be respected, not because that you're cute or funny or done great things in the world, but just because of, by virtue of your humanity, right? You deserve love, you deserve respect. Like you don't have to earn it. Uh, You don't have to go out and, and, you know, say something funny or clever or anything like that. Like just sitting there the way you are, you deserve to be loved. And from that loving place, then you can go out in the world and put up your peacock feathers. But it's sort of like, that's the external manifestation of an internal thing. In other words, like, we want to do these things and make enough money and then I'll feel happy. Like I go out here and then that'll go to the inside. No, that's completely opposite, right? I, from my loving place, from my compassionate place, from then I can extend that loving energy out in the world and you can do great things actually if you do that. I think that was pretty much a mic drop. I think that that was just the everything that anyone needs to know. <laughs> Well, call me up in six months and play it back to me so I could, you can remind me to do that. <laughs> we will we will put it on a plaque for you. And then- Good. <laughs> <laughs> I've got several of those sitting around uh, thing, to remind me of, you know, those kind of things. But um, uh, yeah, I think you're right on the right track. And I appreciate the, the work that you're doing in bringing this this material out to the world. I think you'll you'll touch so many, many people and help so many people. I think you're, 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 you're doing God's work for sure. Thank you. Thank you. You kind of put it perfectly in what we're trying to do is that so much of spirituality or the spiritual path or connecting to your spirituality is exactly what you said, feeling enough and loved and full in your humanity. <coughs> and as a result, your, your perspective, your perception of the world of reality becomes so much grander and you feel so much more connected to a larger, you know, perspective. And to me, that's what spirituality is, is our own path in our humanity and in this human lifetime and how we can apply meaning and healing and growth to that. Yes. Yes. And and the, the spirituality part is just like we're connected. Uh, The idea that we're separate from other people is laughable. It's ridiculous, you know, that we're all, we're really literally all brothers and sisters really in this all together. Every us and every living creature on this earth, uh, we're all a part of a whole. Um, You know, if, I don't know if people believe in God or not, but uh, if you do believe in God, then uh, God is omnipresent. God's everywhere, right? And so God is in me and in you and uh, all the people you don't agree with politically and, uh, you know, all the, the animals that are suffering in the world. And uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's everywhere. And so it, it really connects us. It really plugs us into the, to the universe, big, bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes, I completely agree. And I think that's what we're trying to shift the perception of, you know, the capitalistic version of spirituality has really run with this one narrative where really, I think exactly what you said is it's all about unity and honoring our, you know, our connectedness and how we can do that together. And through our own self-healing and through our own self-empowerment, we are collectively healing and we're collectively coming together and raising our own consciousness because we're we're coming out of these moments of suffering stronger and wiser. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, what am I going to do with this? Well, I can, I can go get bitter and, you know, go down, 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 uh, or I can use it to, to step up and lift myself up. And then from that, uh, lift, lift other folks up. You, you were saying something about that, about teaching, helping others or teaching others. That is a natural outflow Yeah. Uh, that, that you, you almost can't stop yourself. Yeah. Um, I look at it like you mentioned Ram Das. I think my teachers studied with Ram Das and these different teachers and the wisdom goes from him to them and then through them to me and then from me to my clients or my friends or to you. Um, and so that loving that that line of loving energy runs from one generation to the next. We pass it to each other. Um, and so we're, we're really, really connected to the wise women and, and wise men of the past in a, in a really, uh, you know, like it's in our DNA, basically. I, I agree with that. And I think that that's something that we've become so disconnected to is that we used to have this wisdom that was passed down through our lineages that we used to understand that was innately part of ourselves. And, you know, over time as our society evolved, whether you want to call it the patriarchy or whatever that has disconnected us from, from this wisdom, from this ancestral, you know, knowing, and it's really beautiful to watch us come, come back to that. Yeah, I it, it gives me it gives me a lot of hope. It really does. Me too. Me too. One thing that I was thinking of while you were saying that too is I don't think that anyone on this path who who has awakened to this connectedness then wakes up and says like, "Oh, I'm going to create this multi-billion dollar corporation that treats people poorly and ruins the environment and you know, hoards all this these billions of dollars." And I think that's a very important distinction because you, you realize that as we become more self-aware, there's there is this connectedness between us and all things and the way we treat others and the way that we love our earth and ourselves and animals and other people. And it, I think it changes, it changes everything. And it's beautiful to see our society going in that way where more people are, are stepping back into that place of unity instead of me, 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 I don't care. It's just a stupid piece of grass and it's just a stupid pig and just someone who lives in a country I don't know how to pronounce. And the fact that we're coming back to to our humanity in honoring all of those things, I think is really beautiful and gives me hope. Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, that's, you said it, you said it right there. It's like, you know, uh, the things that separate us are kind of artificial and when those things yeah. are, are swept away, then what's left is our is our obvious uh, connection uh, to to God, to everything in the universe, yeah. you know. Well, it's been such a pleasure to have you on this show. I always like to end with wise words for anyone watching who just needs an extra pick me up to step in, step into their best self today. So what are your wise words to end on? Um, boy, I wish I were wise. That would be, I could really, that would help me out here. Uh, but I'd say, uh, to be, 
I would look for the kindness in each situation, look for the kindness in yourself. Um, just be aware of your inner world and uh, uh, be aware of your inner journey um, and, and kind of let that guide you through the day. Thank you so much for listening to House of Enlightenedhood. As always, I am so grateful for your support. If you enjoyed the show, please share it or leave a review or subscribe. A little bit goes a long way. You can find me, your host, Lena Lemos, over on Instagram at I am Lena Lemos or Enlightenedhood. But honestly, there is so much more going on within our spiritual cooperative platform than is happening on social media these days. Until next time, you beautiful souls. <laughs>